Welcome back, everybody, to our uh, Doctor Who Flashcast. Realized the other day that uh, this is 10 straight Christmases with a Doctor Who Christmas special. Pretty crazy. And for the last five, I believe, we've done a Flashcast afterward for the incomparable. This is uh, one of those, although now we do all our Flashcasts on the TV podcast. Instead, we did the whole season of Doctor Who, and we're back for Christmas for one last go until the long, dark time before new episodes next season joining me to talk about this uh christmas special last christmas uh are uh, three people who you've heard talk about doctor who and the incomparable many times before dan morin merry christmas merry christmas to you ho 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 jason david lore is also here merry christmas to you merry christmas to you too and chip sutterth is here happy christmas to you sir is it really Christmas or is this just a dream? <laughs> Let's see how mm-hmm. deep this uh, these layers it's, go. It's a long did story. Anyone, did anyone know if the Christmas top that I got should still be spinning? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I would uh, I, I would uh, make references to, to Inception here, except that I also need to make references to that holodeck episode of The Next Generation with Sherlock <laughs> Holmes, which does the same double wait, dream wait, thing. Wait, Spoilers. guys, hold on. Let's check. Computer and program. Yeah. Spoilers for Star Trek The Next Generation. Sorry about that. Random Trek uh, listeners. What is that arch doing in my room? Chip, <laughs> <Yeah>. such... <laughs> oh, it's coming from inside the holodeck. No. So anyway, this is um, uh, last Christmas, Stephen Moffat doing, I think, an interesting job of of doing uh, yet another. It's got to be a hard job to say you got to do a Christmas episode of Doctor Who every year, right? I mean, I, I, and I suppose at some point you could say, hey, maybe I'll have somebody else write that. But instead, no. You know, just like Russell Davis before him, he's like, I'm going to write these episodes. And I think he's done a pretty good job of making them all seem different from one another. This was a very different kind of episode from what we've seen, I think, from all of the Christmas Doctor Whos, but certainly in the in the Moffat era. It just had a, a very different dark, scary tone. My son was hiding for parts of it. And, it, it, mm. you know, I, I, I think I always like to give extra credit for – um, for like degrees of difficulty, I love the fact that this was this felt different to me than every other Doctor Who Christmas special. I like that tonally it was all the all sort of all over the place. There's one part where there's like I'm trying to remember what the scene is, but it's one of the scenes where they're in the base and all of a sudden you know somebody questions the Doctor or something, and there's like this really like jaunty music starts playing, and I'm like, oh, it's just it's still kind of just like a dream <laughs> where the tone can change rapidly from moment to moment and you're not sure if this is a fun dream or a scary dream. Don't forget the slinkies and the toy robots marching <laughs> into the base. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but right, I mean this did it did, it, did it strike all of you that that way that this is just a really different kind of tone thing and I like that that it wasn't it didn't feel like after 10 of these, right? They could feel really samey and this didn't feel yeah. samey to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you you get at the end of the season finale, you get the Santa Claus introduction and you're wondering how the hell they're going to explain this. And then we don't get the proper explanation until well, well, well into the episode. Yeah. For the longest time, I was thinking that Santa Claus was another Time Lord. And it all <laughs> almost fit, you know. But, I mean, his sleigh is bigger, bigger on, on the, the inside. inside yeah. 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 Um, What I love about this episode is that you just sort of take the dream logic and you roll with it. And then in the end, not only does it all make sense, but it makes sense in a canny way. I mean, you've got you've got basically this is a dream that was contributed to by somebody who 
was upset over a breakup and went through a bender of all of her favorite horror DVDs. And all those elements just sort of show up in this episode. Yeah, exactly. It's great. That, that, that was really a beautiful moment at the end uh, where we see uh, her list of, uh, of things. And above Game of Thrones on the list, she's got uh, the thing from the, Another World, right? And, and she, and Watch she's, Alien. And she's got Alien. I can't believe you have and, a horror movie named Alien. That is so offensive. That was a great line. <laughs> I yeah. saw it I wonder coming you're always I, getting invaded. Yeah, I saw it coming and I still laughed. Um, <laughs> yeah. What the funny part to me is like I was watching that with a bunch of my family members and three of them at the same time said, is that the apartment from Spaced? And I was like, it does kind of look like it. <laughs> well, and they, they, they've now completed having, so they had Simon Pegg was in the first season. Uh, Jessica Hines, Nay Stevenson was in the, um, the two part one where he becomes human, yep. human nature. He plays his Family wife blood, and later yep. his descendant. And now Nick Frost as Santa Claus who played Mike on space. Mm-hmm. And I think that's almost a, that's a pretty complete set of the main characters from that show. Yeah. I really, um, yeah. So yeah, the tonal shifts are fascinating. Uh, the the explanation in the end of what of what we're getting, which is rem- reminiscent of um, we mentioned Inception, rem- reminiscent of Amy's Choice episode, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where there's dream, you know, pollen, and here it's and a dream lord, and here we have the dream crabs, which have an alien name, which is said once, and then they are immediately likened to dream crabs because that's easier to understand. And I actually kind of got a kick out <laughs> of dream crabs when I was looking for what the reaction was online from like a reviewer afterward i just googled dream crabs <laughs> it's like you know why not why not well you got rock crabs snow crabs dream crabs well, whatever and, and you know when you first see the the bodies in the in the base uh you think these are weird aliens and then you, you, when the when the mouths open up and you realize there's human like yeah. heads inside that's uh that was super creepy and there was a lot of super creepy gross scary stuff like i said my son was watching you know from how to like put his hands over his eyes and is watching between the cracks like, I, w- I will have to say <laughs> the the uh, funny that i know the first thing i thought when i saw them is i don't know if anybody else has played half-life but they look exactly like head crabs from a half life, mm-hmm. which have sort of mm-hmm. a similar thing. And there's a lot of that same thing where like the, they like suck on your face and then they have like zombies walking around with head crabs. On face. And they do this. The thing that got me was that the same, um, the, the dropping from the ceiling and like the goo oh. that you saw hanging there. That is yeah. exactly like I was giving me flashbacks to half life too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stephen Moffat played a lot of half life. I don't know. I don't know. At Maybe. some point. No, I think, I think he, 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 makes his sources well known you know her her list at the end that's the footnotes to yeah, this yeah, episode yeah. but so, there's almost i can't i can't identify a single element to this episode as being particularly original i mean um there's a lot of um there's a lot of turn left in this episode mm-hmm. um there's a you know there's a lot of alien there's a lot of miracle on 34th street etc and so on um he's clearly taking from everywhere uh the beauty of this episode is the way he puts them all together yeah that's the that's the thing is that i i i feel like he's constructed a uh, pretty good machine entirely out of recycled parts but a pretty good machine nonetheless right and in fact it becomes sort of a, a joy to be like oh okay we're gonna do a you know it's a wonderful life kind of thing here all right let's do that I really enjoyed the characterization of Nick Frost's Santa Claus mm. because he's very much 
he's very much a Peter Capaldi-ish Santa Claus in that he's he's kind of yes. like colloquial. He's kind of to the point. He's kind of grumpy, you know, and I, he, there, there's a mirror image-ish kind of thing in the same way you mentioned like the Dream Lord from Amy's Choice. Mm-hmm. Like this is almost like the time, and, you know, Chip said he's like, oh, is he a Time Lord? I think there is like almost like a mirror of like this is kind of an incarnation of the Doctor sort of or like a, like a dream incarnation of the Doctor. And we even get that specifically at the very end when Clara in the dream is asked, do you believe in Santa Claus? And she said, I do, although I, you know, but a different one than most people. Hmm. He, look, he looks different to me. He looks different. Yeah. And, and that's the, yeah, they seem like peers, right? Or rivals, which, I mean, mm-hmm. you could, you could liken that to something like uh, some of the themes in Robot of Sherwood, where he's kind of offended mm-hmm. that I think done better, much better here, um, offended by the fact that there's another big legendary hero around him. Um, mm-hmm. And and you're right, it, it is that uh, th- that give and take, which, you know, if you're going to cast him as Santa and you're like, Santa's going to be in a Doctor Who episode, it's like, there needs to be that back and forth, right? You cannot yeah. squander that. And it is great. Yeah, I really enjoyed all the, like, questioning, you know, like, trying to disprove, mm-hmm. you know, reindeers can't fly. Well, that's why I feed the magic carrots, <laughs> you know? <that's, laughs> yeah. he's, he's got an answer for everything. And I do love the, you know, he's there essentially because it's Christmas, and who do you call to save you at Christmas? Yeah. Ghostbusters. But and, then Santa Claus But then afterwards. if it's not a ghost, then, then although they say, we, I think we have ghosts here. There's a skeleton guy and a girl in a nightgown, <laughs> which is a funny <laughs> line too. But, but, you know, Santa sticks around long enough too because it's very easy to be like, oh, Santa, well, you know, Santa's not real. And they, and they I mean, this is how the way Moffat sets up so much is that he, he gets you to, um, he, hey, David, he hangs a lantern on it, right? He's like, ah, mm-hmm. Santa's not real right at the beginning. That's what, yeah. that's what they, they say. But the beauty of it is Santa sticks around so long that the moment when he disappears is much more powerful because I expected Santa to not be real for the first 25 minutes. But Mm -hmm. after about 45 minutes, I just kind of accepted that Santa was going to be in this episode. It's Doctor Who, right? You go with it. Oh, there's going to be an explanation for why, even though there's no land at the North Pole, there's a North Pole base. But after a while, it's just like they they set it away long enough that you, you just kind of take it as red. You're like, all right, it's mine. And then that's when it gets the rug pulled back out from under you which i liked we um i feel like the other thing that's sort of major about this episode is that we finally get a a resolution of where we left off with the series yes and the doctor finally finds out that danny pink is dead and clara finds out that he didn't actually find gallifrey i was sad there wasn't a uh a, a gift of the Magi kind of reference right there, too. Oh, yeah. You know, that's funny you say that because my cousin yelled that immediately as soon as that happened. She's like, gift yeah. of the Magi. And I was like, yep, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, 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 puts, it puts Clara and the Doctor right back almost to the status quo. And I'm not sure exactly how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it does resolve the, the lying and the relationship stuff and all, and all of that. Uh, but I wonder where they can go with these characters. Well, there's plenty of places that they can go with a doctor. I'm not sure what they can do with Clara now. I, I mean, did, she's gone through two yeah. character arcs. I did uh, wonder. Yeah, two seasons. I did wonder if her story next is that she's now going to be a companion, right? Or she's going to like. I wonder if she's no longer going to be treating him as her hobby because she kept him at that remove. You're my hobby. And I don't know. I read the end of this episode as being kind of like, okay, I accept it. I'm going to go travel with you now and leave. Yeah. But, 
That's interesting. Uh, I had placed all of my chips on the Clara is pregnant um, <laughs> space at the end of the last season because of the, <laughs> the post-it note that said three months and everything like that. I was just I was fully expecting mm-hmm. that. Um, and uh, the rumors had it that uh, Jenna Coleman was going to be leaving the show. Yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, and a couple of uh, a couple of outlets started reporting that she had changed her mind. And I have no idea what the truth of any of this stuff was. Um, if she if she had left the show, the old Clara um, bit at the end would have been a beautiful um, yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been perfect closure. And instead, we get two more minutes. Everything's fine. We're going to keep on having adventures. And I it, love Jenna Coleman, so I'm excited to see more of her. But I've got no idea what they're going to do that, next. That year. fake out totally worked on me too. Like I, you know, I'm sitting there, and you know, you get that. And I agree. I agree with Chip that like that would have been like, oh, this is kind of a bittersweet ending, you know, to their relationship. But I, I too had heard the rumors that she was leaving, which I kind of chalk up now to like an enormous fake out, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because it felt very much like that. Um, and you know, and so I, I kind of agree with Chip, you know, you know, your point about like, I don't know where you go with this character now that you press the reset button. And I think the thing that, that wigged me a little bit, and I wasn't sure if they were going to like fully go in that direction, but you do have that bit where like, he says, nobody else ever matched up to Danny Pink, huh? And she said, well, there was one other man, but he was impossible. And mm. I'm like, no, 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 don't go down this road. Let's <laughs> mm. not. Well, let's that's, not the, that's, the that's the Sarah Jane. That's the Sarah Jane line, right? That's essentially the the idea that once you've seen the universe with the doctor, it's very hard for anything in, in life to, to quite match up. Right. And I like that yeah. they also made a big point of it. Like right at the end, incidentally, the thing that got me was the – the 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 doctor and Clara will return. Yeah, and it was like, well, yeah. they're not making any bones about it, right? Like that is about as flat <laughs> out as you can say it. No, they want to they want to reassure us. I did for a moment think that what was going to happen is that old Clara was going to realize that the doctor uh, was uh, out of sync, and she was going to be like, oh no no no, oh it's you from now. Oh, go back and pick me up again. <laughs> we have more adventures to do before I get old. And then sends him on his way, and that's not what happened. But I thought that would be yeah. kind of a funny way to do it, where she's now got totally got the upper hand, where she's had all the adventures, and he hasn't had them yet. But that's not that's not what... I, I, I'm amazed that Stephen Moffat resisted another companion out of sync time travel story, but I guess he's had enough of those for, for this month. So it was also beautiful, I thought, that the... Um... I love that they stuck to the doctor, the ongoing sort of running joke of the doctor not being able to tell, like, to see any yes. difference in her. I thought that was awesome, actually. This, this yeah. was this was the payoff like, of, of a year of Peter Capaldi telling Clara that he has no conception of her age or whether she looks good or anything like that. Because here we see he, he literally has no, you're a human, you're a human-y, whatever, I can't tell. Well, you're, and the beautiful moment, you know, or great moment I liked when they leave the base and then go back in. You, what's your name? I forgot. I deleted it already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't remember you people. That's this life as the doctor. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where they go. I, too, was prepared to have this be the farewell to Jenna Coleman. And I'm happy that it's not. I'm fine. I think I think uh, she's great. And she's now the longest running uh, new series companion, which is interesting oh, wow. when you think about yeah. it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, because Amy uh, did a, a season and a half, and uh, Jenna Louise Coleman is, depending on how you count, but basically at a season and a half now. Well, so, Billy Piper. And Billy Piper did two years. That's right. So, but if she's yeah. if Jenna if Jenna leaves halfway through, is that right? 
Jenna did a full season and a half season, and now is going to do. If she does a full season, she's the number one. I guess that's the way it works. And you know, she might, she might not. Who knows? She might be in one episode and then be gone. <laughs> we, we, yeah, Stephen Moffat, <laughs> double fake. Man, that guy. Uh, oh, Clara, she's she's uh she's goodbye, Clara. The first scene. <laughs> See ya. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, I, and I I really liked the dream, um, her dream with Danny because oh, I got yeah, I let's... jumped there a second ahead of time, which is wait. The only the way to prove to Clara that this is a dream is the doctor's going to say like, ah, oh, but the real Danny Pink would never like if he if it was the real Danny Pink, he would love you enough to like save your life at all costs. Mm-hmm. And that was basically yeah. exactly where they went, except they had Danny be more proactive about it, which I liked. And I thought that was a really nice capstone for his character, yes. especially the whole bit yes. about like this was yes. this is extra bonus time. You know, this is we got another little <laughs> bit of time together. And I thought that was really sweet. And I. I thought that, you know, I, I really liked him as a character and actually seeing him there made mm-hmm. me sad that we didn't get more of him in the adventure, yeah. like coming around and adventuring with them, because I feel like he would have been a real like he's such a flip side in some ways from Rory. Right. Who I who I also like, but like, you know, he's such a proactive character and he I like his his arguments with the doctor and all that. And I thought they made a good there was a good dynamic between the three of them. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, this. They only did twelve regular season episodes. They used to do thirteen plus Christmas. They did twelve plus Christmas. But the point here is, this really is episode thirteen in a lot of ways. I feel like this is the capstone of a lot of things that happened in series eight. That we do get those moments with uh, the Doctor not understanding how old Clara is, and we get a resolution with Clara and Danny. And yes, it's Dream Danny, and yet it is Clara processing Danny's death. It we get to see the uh, Danny Pink one last time, and we get to see. Him him be his best self and even though it's yes it is clara talking to herself through her vision of danny pink it still is him uh you know saying the right things to her and that's and i thought that was really nice it really um has a positive impact on the view of season eight as a whole i think which most christmas specials are not really about yeah, my twelve uh, year old uh, watched it with me, and he was a little he was a little thrown by it because he he used his twelve year old logic to say, "Wait, if he's just an illusion, why is he suddenly um, speaking so directly to her and um, and not not acting like an illusion anymore?" And my rationale was, "Well, the doctor's in this shared illusion thing too. They both know." how Danny would behave and that's yeah it's yeah I'm with you I'm with you there I feel like yes we're all watching Danny Pink say goodbye to Clara one last time but it's either the doctor or it really is it's the part of Clara that knows it's a dream um giving uh, the the part of Clara who wishes she could stay there, licensed to leave, and in fact doing it in Danny's voice, she's telling herself Danny wouldn't want you to stay here. Danny wouldn't want right. you to wallow, and she's doing it in Danny's voice, which I, to me that made it stronger and 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 uh, sadder that it, it, you know she's she's coming to this uh, stage of her grief over over Danny by by seeing him through science fictional means by actually having mm-hmm. a conversation with him that's really her subconscious. I thought it was really nice. I I'm, I was I really was impressed with that scene. It re, it did remind me just sci-fi nerdness here. It reminded me of um Star Trek Generations a little bit where it's like Captain <laughs> yeah. Picard is yeah. in his in, is in his dream Christmas with all of his dead relatives and has to get but the the difference is that um and Kirk that, is Santa Claus that, is that, that neither neither Guinan nor 
before <laughs> Captain Kirk appear in Clara's dream. So there's that. I, I so do this was say, good then. <laughs> yeah. I do have to say we um I think we have to add this to the list of Stephen Moffat's monsters that you must not yes. look don't or look at think them, about don't think about breathe. them. I thought that was fat, like because I'm looking at these guys. I'm like, well, they're vaguely reminiscent of the Silence. Yeah, um, yeah. But that is kind of a ongoing theme, in him, and I and I appreciate the desire that like sometimes the things that are scariest are the things that you don't see. I was having this yeah. conversation with my cousin about um, the movie Super Eight and about how like the disappointing part of that is when you see the monster eventually. It's like, well, you could have just left it in the shadows. Right. It would have been more. It would have been scarier. And it's like in. Yeah. So much of Stephen Moffat's stuff, starting with the angels and going all the way through to these guys, is about things that are there, there when your back is turned, right? Like the silence or the thing under the bed mm-hmm. in Hyde. And he's he's really focused heavily on that. And I think it's effective, but I also think maybe he's gone back to the well too many times on that. So I like the yes. dreaming aspect, but the thinking about it thing seems well, it seems sci- it seems superfluous. I think the don't look as I, I rolled my eyes out a little bit, but I really like this idea of like you can't focus on them. And I, I, I enjoyed the fact that they, they had the woman with the headphones dancing around yeah. <laughs> to that same damn Christmas song that's been in like five of the ten Doctor Who Christmas specials <laughs> now. Um, but I, I like that because that 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 was not only funny but it was this idea of don't talk about them don't think about them because that's what makes the mental connection you're you're right though it is Moffat 101 the thing that you can that that yeah. uh, any kid in when they're you know on the playground or uh in their bed at night with the light turned out can think about and imagine being a thing that could be menacing them as, as soon as he started yes. into the whole uh, uh don't look don't think about them I, I said out loud, "Oh, just stop it!" <laughs> and and both of the kids looked at me like, "Who was? Who were you talking to?" I said, "Moffat, Stephen Moffat." Oh, okay. Yeah, they they thought it was directed at them. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I I think if they said don't, if they didn't say don't look at them, but just said you need yeah. to not be thinking about this because if they if they hear you thinking about them, then they're in. That would be a little bit removed from it. But the don't look is like the image of an angel as an angel, and yeah, hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. You know, the thing that got me for the don't think about it thing was there. So there that scene right before they let her into the infirmary. Um, it reminded me I took a psych class in high school. And my psych uh, teacher did this experiment where he's like, so if I say, and he writes the number 107 on the board and it says, forget this number. And I just proved to you that that was 1998. And I still remember what that number was. <laughs> so if you've ever had somebody tell you, don't think about this thing, the last thing that you're going to be able to do is not think about that. So I found that a little bit tough. Like, oh, my God, if someone told me not to think about this thing, all I would be doing is thinking about that thing and I would be dead immediately. Mm-hmm. When you're on the high wire, don't look down. Oh, look down. Oh, crap. Fall. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, some great lines in here. Uh, also, I like the recurring tangerine uh, thing. But I, then again, <laughs> nobody, I enjoy, yeah, nobody likes the tangerine. I, I enjoyed David Tennant throwing a Setsuma, so of course I would like that. Uh, the, North, um, the North Pole is not an actual pole. Well, of course it is, and it's striped. <laughs> I love the elves. The elves are great. The elves, including Dan Starkey, who's Strax <laughs> when he's shaped like a potato. <laughs> Neil Perryman, the guy who uh, wrote the Adventures with the Wife in Space uh, blog and book, uh, tweeted that this means that uh, Series 9 could, in fact, be a tangerine dream. Oh. Ooh. That's, that's, that's your, your Christmas puns. Christmas Glenn. puns, folks. Wow. Glenn's not even here, and that's a Glenn level, uh, Glenn level that is, pun that is from Glenn. Neil Perryman. 
Um, th- how do you tell fantasy and reality apart? They're both ridiculous. I thought that was yeah. a great line. <laughs> Uh, I like the use of the blackboard, which we've seen the doctor writing on yes. blackboards all the time. So in Clara's dream, the super creepy blackboard that not only changes when she looks back at it, but then when she erases it, it that was a really nice effect. Really, good. that was my favorite part of of all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that was really uh, that was really nice. Obviously, dreams within dreams brings up Inception. I'm surprised that there was not a reference to Inception on the notepad, or that somebody even <laughs> said said that that because, you've been Inceptioned. But then again, you now, know. Now. My 13-year-old went, oh, it's Inception. Yeah. Eh. And and he didn't care. He was just like, oh, and he made it dream logic, so it doesn't even have to make sense. And he just walked out. Like, okay. All right. <laughs> is there, um, is it my, so several of my, uh, my relatives pointed out that the, um, when, San, when the doctor takes the reins of the sleigh, another fun scene, that he says, yippee mm. Kaye. Yes. Yes, he did. Oh, wow. So we'll, we'll that take that beautiful. as a diehard reference. We will take that as a diehard reference. Why not? We got shut up, Santa. We got flying, the, flying through skyscrapers, no less. Sure, all yeah. dreamy weemy. By the way, that was yeah. That was yeah. oh god, God, I love Nick Frost so yeah. much. <laughs> the beauty, Nick Frost weirdy. got the accent. Great. He he may be my favorite version of Santa Claus now. Yeah. He was beautiful. You know, when they cast him, I was like, really, Nick Frost is Santa Claus? Is he going to be able to be appropriately Santa y, or is it going to be like? You know, it, or does he sit on a throne of lies? I guess is what I'm saying. And <laughs> and you know, he was great as a Santa Claus. Yeah. He was he was a great mixture of what we could expect from him and I just, that character. I just loved the first scene where she's like, "Are you Santa Claus? No, nope. no, we're just roof nope. people. No. What, what would make no. you think that? Normal roof people doing roof yeah, things. Roof people. <laughs> and then and then he goes into the, you got me. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, and I like the bit where he's on the phone too, talking like doing like PR yeah. control yeah. or something. Yeah. Oh, and he has, well, he has to call somebody else to just like look to get to these coasts. I need you to you know take care of that for me because I'm 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 like I'm booked right now. I'm running behind. Base under siege. You do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it is classic base under siege, right? I mean, North Pole. Come on, North Pole. <laughs> North Pole base scientists. There's a reason. We'll explain it later. I mean, there there are. I mean, right? The, the idea is that it, it got to the doctor first, and, and we're, we're led to believe that yes, there are elements from from uh, from various people's uh, uh, lists of things they want to watch and whatever in this dream. But it's also it's the doctor's dream, and he's dreaming a Doctor Who episode because there's a polar base under siege. For God's sake! <laughs> well, and I like that the so the recurring like long story line at first was like, all right, I get it, I get it. Like you're saying they don't remember where they came from. But what made it work for me was the point where the doctor turns to Claire and said, "How do we get?" Like, mm-hmm. how do we get in the TARDIS? And she goes, long story. And then she, I was like, oh, that was kind of creepy, actually. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a nice bit. Like yeah. It. It's funny. You know, you see, you see I, I, I think this would happen with any writer. You yeah. see, Stephen Moffat has had a ticks. lot of time to iterate. Well, yeah. And he's had a lot of time to iterate through Doctor Who, really, since 2005. So 10 years now. And he, he's write, written more since he's been the showrunner. But 10 years now. And obviously, he had decades to think about this when he was just a fan and not a Doctor Who writer. Um, and so, yeah, you can you can see that any any writer that you've been watching this many different versions of Doctor Who episodes, you're going to see the things that they do again and again. And I, I would say on one level it does make you go, oh, don't look. Okay, we're going to do that again. Uh, on, on another level, something like Clara saying, you know, it's a long story – you can see the way he structured it to leave one piece out so that it can get dropped later. And I kind of on, on 
sometimes it makes me roll my eyes that we've seen it before. Other times I appreciate the, the, the structure and the artifice of what he's doing because he's, you know, he's doing this all very purposefully. And it's sometimes it's kind of enjoyable to see the, the, the architecture and the, the tricks that he pulls in order to get that moment. Like when Clara says it's a long story and he's like, (gasps) you know, that's, 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 it's fun to see that. But yeah, we also can see the, the structure and the seams because we've, how many Dr. Who episodes has Stephen Moffat written now? Chip, do you know off the top of your head? 20? Uh, Many. It's a lot. I will, I will take issue with, uh, with one, dream logic problem okay which is the uh mm-hmm. the manuals um that they constantly use to <laughs> you can't read in dreams <laughs> well i think that's the idea is you might make up words but it won't hold together and, and... I, well it was funny because i happened to recently see a, a sleep expert speaking um on a on a radio show and i was at the taping of the radio show which is why i could see him i had nothing weird going on um but he mentioned the not being able to read in dreams because one of the panelists brought it up he's like ah, i remember this from an episode of batman the animated series i was like oh man i totally saw that episode um but Gosh. they point out like you can't read he said like more it's more 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 than anything it's a like a focal distance problem like you need really large type apparently because mm. you can't focus on things at that point in your dream i was like that's very interesting, interesting. But I imagine that if you have to generate a word and you're in a dream, you would just say, "Oh, well, this is a word I generated," and they sure. wouldn't match because I'm letting them. I'm letting them slide. Yeah, we'll I'm let just, it. I'm we'll just let shaking it go. my fist a little bit. We'll let it go. But that, well, well, if there's um, any, yeah. if there if there's any Moffat trope that um, you know he's he's owning every trope in this episode except for the one that gets under my skin the most, and that is. I'll explain later, or maybe I won't. Let's just move fast through the story. Uh huh. Um, yeah. And that's and that's that's the that's the one thing that I that's the one thing that I don't care for about uh, Stephen Moffat's writing too much. It goes back to the the impossible astronaut day and day of the moon um, kinds of stuff. Um, right. When you can't hook it, when you can't hook it all up together, and and this happens to greater and lesser degrees in his stuff. When you can't hook it all up together, you just throw in a lot all at once to spin people around a little bit and confuse them, and then you just move ahead and act as if you resolved it. <laughs> and a lot of times he pulls it off with yeah. sheer velocity, but you know, not not always. That's the well, I'd say that's yeah. the one weak point that I have with this episode, although as y'all have said, you know, dream logic. It, uh, yeah, it, it's it, a dream in the end. Yeah. He kind of gets away with it. And yet it does feel earned emotionally, but you know, he does get away with it because it's a it, I I read one of the pieces um that came out in the English uh newspapers uh, a few hours after the episode here that I did look at before we started spoilers is uh that said it was the most fulfilling you will ever get from a and it was all just a dream episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, cuz it, yes. it's not I'll, a cop out. It's not a well, cop unless, out, but unless you're including Newhart. <laughs> I'm not that's, that was an It's All Just a Dream series. Spoilers for Newhart, by the way. <laughs> so overall, what did uh, what what any other thoughts before we uh, we we get we move to the uh, what what did we think? Any other uh, topics you guys wanted to bring up from this episode? I, I thought the Newhart ending was terrific. Because <laughs> I I have to say I Golf never ball. liked the show Newhart. So to think that it was all Bob Hartley's dream, I was like, all right. I'm, I'm on with that. You're listening to the Newhart podcast. So, what do we think overall? I, I um, I, uh, Chip, what, what's your verdict on this one? I saw you give uh, a thumbs up on Twitter earlier. So. Yeah, uh, totally, totally. Uh, it's my favorite one since the Christmas Invasion. And wow! Wow! Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Um, 
which is probably selling some of the other ones a little short. But um, I I really thoroughly enjoyed this from top to bottom. And I really like what it continues the doctor's character arc. He's more and more he's getting it. He's never going to be the warm and fuzzy uh, David Tennant or um, happy go lucky Matt Smith. But he's he more and more he's relearning um, these uh, how, how to deal with humans. Uh, while keeping his edge, and I, I, I'm enjoying seeing that character arc continue. Yeah. I'll, I'll hold Clara's hand, but I'm not comfortable holding anybody else's. Oh, <laughs> he's holding my hand. <laughs> Dan, what do you think? I also give it a thumbs up. Um, I've, I like most of the Christmas specials usually, and and like as you said, after ten years, it's tr- tricky to come up with new things to do every year. And I thought this was excellent and really well done. If there was, if I had any complaints, I would feel like. It is hard to do a dream episode and feel not a little bit cheated, but I, I agree that this is a this is one of the better implementations of that I've seen. Um, and I really enjoyed Nick Frost. I'm, I've been long been a Nick Frost fan. And I thought he was perfectly cast here, and it was great to see him go up against the Doctor and have that dynamic between the two of them. Um, and I really enjoyed um, the whole, you know, the, all it all played out, and even even the twist ending, which I didn't see coming. It's it's nice to be surprised every once in a while. Um, so I overall, I give it a really big thumbs up. As Chip said, Capaldi continues to be awesome. Really enjoy his work. I really enjoy this Doctor. Um, every time it's it's that thing, you know, we hit the Christmas special for the first Christmas special for this Doctor, and you get that point where it's like he'll never replace so and so. Oh wait, <laughs> I really like this guy, you know. And like, so I'm sure in two or three years, whenever Peter Capaldi decides to step down, we'll all be like, no, no one else can replace Peter Peter Capaldi. <laughs> but for now, I'm content, and I look forward to the next season of his mm. shows. David, I I will go along with the. The crowd, I, I, and I think I'll go along with Chip. I, it might be my favorite since the Christmas Invasion as well. Because um, I really did not like last year's for one. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, again, Capaldi gets me through even even the slightest rough patch. And, and Nick Frost was utterly delightful. I mean, how can he not be? And, um, and yeah, I, I just... Uh, more... I, I, I find him not remotely delightful in Shaun of the Dead. I, I really despise him on that <laughs> oh, movie, well, but okay, true. fair enough. That's true. Other than fair that. Enough. Um, but yeah, no, and, and, and I do, I, I like that it's sort of set, uh, reset him and Clara to go off and have adventures. Because the one thing, the one thing that has bothered me is that she hasn't been the companion who just goes off and has the adventures. So it's sort of like, well, is that what they're going to do now, or or is it going to be you know the one scene? Goodbye. Well, um, it's the it's the magician's apprentice is is when the doctor and Clara will return, and I think that implies it could be a fake out, but that implies something about perhaps uh, you yeah. know their relationship and uh, him uh, you know taking her further under his wing, which is kind of interesting because we saw several points during season eight that she was sort of had to be the doctor, and uh, yeah. that's and he gets kind referred of to. He gets referred to as the magician several yes. times in this episode. Yes, mm-hmm. well, he's dressed like a magician. They've made that love, joke a few times. I love, love the hoodie. I, I want that hoodie. <laughs> yeah, I, I would wear that. Um, I, I got to say, I, I, I take uh, what uh, David just said, but my, my caution there is the last time we had Amy Pond, so we had the, the sort of uh, uh, plot device companion character, and then that plot device situation was resolved. 
And I thought that that character regressed a bit when she was no mm. longer when she oh, became yeah. just another companion. So yeah. I, I'm I'm sort of watching what happens with uh, Clara Oswald, holding my breath a little bit. Although but you, you could, could regress from the so plot awesome. arc. You could mm-hmm. argue that she was that her arc was the impossible girl, and that I mean she got new things to do in season eight, but right. you know she wasn't right. the story arc in season eight, yeah, and right. and that was better, right? That was better. She had things yeah, to I, do, but she enough, wasn't a mystery to be solved anymore. Yes. Whereas Amy was sort of left to twist in the wind in that unfortunate half season where they decided to have no arc, and which is fine, and make a bunch of kind of random episodes that were not so good. But that yeah. we've covered that previously. Um, <laughs> previously on the Encounter. I wanted to mention I, – I, I agree with you guys. I um, Although I'm not going to go back. I, I enjoyed the Christmas Invasion a lot. But I would say uh, uh, Christmas Carol is still maybe tops in my book. Um, and, but I will say the last couple, uh, this is much better than the last couple. And I, last year had to do the job of regenerating Matt Smith and it didn't do a great job at it. Although when I watched it back again, a a second time, it was better than I thought, but it's still not great. And this was, uh, this was very enjoyable. So I would say it's certainly the best in several years. Um, and I would put it clearly in the top half, if not the top three <laughs> of mm-hmm. the of the Christmas specials that have been done so far. Uh, hard hard to picture. They, I was watching the marathon yesterday on BBC America of some of these, and you know, as as much I as I enjoy Voyage of the Damned as a loud spectacle, I was like, <laughs> I don't really want to watch this again. <laughs> uh, you know, and it was not the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe necessarily, but it was not. Uh, yeah, so I I uh, I would put this high up in the ranks. I thought it was really enjoyable and furthered season eight while also being uh, appropriately Christmassy and scary, which is harder to do. This was I felt this was more like a Doctor Who episode than maybe any other Christmas uh, special yes. in that it, it was not afraid to go a little scarier than the others, which were afraid, I think, to get scary because, oh, it's Christmas. We can't scare anybody. And they didn't care. Stephen Moff was like, no, we're going to scare people. We're going to have scary aliens in this because it's Doctor Who. And I thought that was good. Yeah, there have been scarier aliens. Uh, I thought that this was pitched just right for Christmas. All right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I, – I, I, you don't need to sand all the edges off for Christmas. I, I get that you might need right. a little more kind of loudness, and uh, Santa brings that to the table, right? And everyone check your <laughs> stockings for dream crabs. Yes. Good night, everybody. Yes. Santa, uh, if you've been bad, he will leave a dream crab in your stocking. <laughs> so watch Is out. there a Krampus connection here? The, <laughs> by the way, when that guy dies, when that, the one guy dies um, – Super you know, that means there's like a dream crab out there that's eaten somebody and is going on to a next. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> these things. happen. Good luck to those people. <laughs> Good luck to his family who's now going to be eaten. Their faces are going to get sucked off by dream crabs. But everybody yeah, else is yeah, okay. yeah. Well, that's a thing. It's a tough universe. He does, you know, you want me to save you from them polar bears? That was it's a, uh, it's a <laughs> line. Yeah, it's a crabby <laughs> dream universe, guys. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, not hearing anything else, I think uh, I could uh, I could wrap this one up. Another Christmas special is in the books, um, and we have to wait many months, many months, probably until the end of summer again. I would imagine, Chip. That is everybody assuming we're going to just be on this schedule now for a while. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking yeah. August. I'm thinking September. I'm thinking long, <sighs> dreary months. Sigh. All right. I guess I'll have to watch Babylon Five or something. You can do that. Okay. 
I'm, I'm allowing you to do that. There are other programs also available that aren't Doctor Who. Well, um, I want to thank my guests for, for taking some time on Christmas night to do this little tradition that we've sort of got for ourselves now about talking about the tradition of Doctor Who being on TV. Chip Sutter, thank you. Pleasure as always. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it, Jason. David Lore, thank you. Thank you, as always. Dan Morin, thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. See you next year. And everybody else out there for listening to this, thank you very much. We'll see you next time.